0: well that makes
1: a difference good good day everyone essentially greetings with a note with no implication of what time it might be wherever you are here the sun is just coming out in southern australia after a night of storm and wind and river surges and ocean waves and and we made it through the night so i hope you made it through the night somehow eileen made it through the night can you explain yourself eileen mm. i'm glad you didn't say um because that, that's forbidden in this space you know no zombies
0: is much better
1: i'll take that as I... okay go ahead
0: yeah, I need to explain myself now.
1: Yeah, sure. Listen. I
0: made it through the night sleeping. Okay. And in despite of the rain and supported by the rain.
1: And it was Where was the rain? The rain was all around. In the rain was Which latitude and longitude?
0: Oh. Some numbers. Okay. I'm I'm in Port Angeles, Washington.
2: Ah,
1: okay. The USA. A rainy place, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Hello everyone. Does anybody have any report on experiments that you've been doing during the week? Things you where you really failed terribly you know, as a story, or succeeded amazingly also as a story, both bullshit we might add, <laughs> but we'd just like to hear about it. Anybody have anything to report?
3: Yes. So, I set off
0: after the study group, walking around, paying attention, and I was thinking, oh, I'm doing a good job of this, noticing that, noticing this, noticing the other. And my parents always said, pride comes before a fall. <laughs> and I found- I found this coffee shop and I thought, oh, it must be brand new. So I walked in, I said, I've just noticed you. How long have you been here? Two years. I had (laughs) not seen it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh That's the other experiment. You're noticing what you didn't notice. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I thought that was the experiment. Oh, it was funny. (laughs)
1: Thank you. Somebody else? Hi. It's Les- Leslie. Yay, go ahead, talk.
0: I'm in the kitchen.
1: <clears throat> you never saw the I- That was a joke. Go ahead.
0: I had to turn something off. Um, so I've been working with this idea that I need to stop a certain behavior, which is, Mm -hmm. I understand, a gremlin behavior. And so I've been, I have noticed wanting to do that behavior and then um, not doing it. And this has been for about two weeks now. And I've done a bunch of other things like, you know, just other, put my attention other places. And, um, I, th- I, thought this was a good thing and I felt good about it. And then I also felt, started to feel really depressed, like sleeping all the time and, um, kind of hopeless. And so I've been advised that by some friends that maybe this is, the wrong way to go to, to focus on what I need to keep my gremlin from doing. Yeah, so, um, so
1: you're bringing up a really amazing subject, and you've described it, in my experience, really perfectly. So, especially with your going like this, going on been feeling, it really there. <laughs>
0: okay.
1: I don't, it's also
0: a function of where the phone is. In their, relation to my I, cutting I,
1: Everything's fine. <laughs> I mean, everything's fine. But I want to share some significant research that our Gremlin research team is working on that, that we'll be sharing on websites and whatever, articles. And the training, the Gremlin transformation process has just added some dimensions. And it has to do with exactly what you're saying. Which is this whole thing about once one encounters uh, a a kind of behavior that causes a certain result, that is a way of destroying intimacy or undermining responsibility or um, any kind of gremlin behavior. That it's just okay, you know, I finally recognize it's gremlin behavior and I'd like to do something else. When you get to that place, the the strategy of dis, of not doing the behavior turns out to be more gremlin behavior. And in the, the the essential work of what you're talking about, the whole essential work of Getting to the point where that behavior changes is preparation. It's it's ha- it's the kind of matrix that you built into yourself. Leslie, you know what matrix is when I say the word matrix? Yes. Yeah, it's just these set of distinctions in your being that make up your awareness, essentially. That's what your matrix is. It, it holds these distinctions, and you just keep putting distinctions in there, and you do this preparation work. You're building out the matrix to the point that when you get to the awareness of, oh gosh, this is what's been causing all this pain, yeah, essentially pain, then it it doesn't it doesn't happen again. That behaviour will never happen again because you've already built up the matrix to hold who you will be without that behavior. And if it doesn't happen like that, if it's any kind of a struggle, so you describe this struggle and it, it's, and you, you're like, you're going to take away the candy, or you're going to take away the uh, superiority, or you're going to take away the inferiority. You're going to, you know, when you're trying to do that, when you have enough matrix, the, the behavior change happens through all by itself almost, and if it doesn't, then then you the point the the approach is to build more matrix, go back and prepare more, and so the kind of preparations are that that we've been experimenting with building out in our in the possibility management game world are things like rage club, and so. It, so Leslie, you've been in Rage Club before.
0: Yeah, two two Rage Clubs, and more race recently.
1: And a Rage Club space club. And what about Fear Club then? Yes. <clears throat> so okay. Not recently. Okay, but okay, but that's so you know what I'm talking about. But those those are the kinds of things that start that build out the matrix, such that you become a person. Who's no longer the same person? Who needs the behavior that you were doing that you discovered that was causing the problem, causing the breakdown? And so, so I would encourage one. Well, Can I say something? yeah, there's so much about this.
4: Well, <clears throat> one is Clinton mentioned it, but I want to say it again: is that the the depression is the sign that your gremlin is protecting the behavior that you're trying to stop. You get it. You're depressed because the gremlin wants to keep the behavior that you were doing before. And so people can experience that as being some kind of on a plateau, like nothing really changes. And it's this battle with the gremlin. And instead consider, consider the depression as, as you, you know, we know that depression is a mixed emotion, but these mixed emotion, when you're working with gremlin, gremlin behavior, is probably this sign of the need for preparation. That's the alarm is. And the, you know, I, it, it, there is some gremlin work that can be done. Yes, there's all this, you know, this side matrix of going to labs, you know, completing incomplete emotions. Sonia is is holding a space for that.
1: Um, reading the books, yeah, reading, watching the films, having going to a weekly possibility team, holding space for a possibility team, all, doing the space holder training work, really so much along those lines.
4: And the the part of the gremlin work, like the preparation in terms of pure gremlin work, is to do what happens in the chapter zero, which now is called the core training, which is go into the behavior just really go into it, do it consciously and, and learn what is the ecstasy? You know, what's, what is your gremlin trying to eat? What is, and, and, and to come up with a, you know, this radically responsible sentence, it goes like this. And, 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 and that's part of this. And then you sit with that. It's like, okay, that's, that's what my gremlin, you know, that's what I am doing and sit with it on the map. Yeah. And then you sit with it instead of stopping it.
1: So something else we're figuring out is that there are people who have engaged in work, you know, you start working with your gremlin and and you try something, you know, and it kind of works a little bit and things change. And then, and then there's a whole identity shift involved. Like you're not the same person that you were, who was the one who was doing the behavior before. And so the, what happens sometimes is people kind of progress or just change or try experiments and it goes for a little out. And then that it tends to be this plateau. It's almost like you, you go into this wall. Anybody know this plateau? It's like, Oh, you know, that was enough for a while. or Oh, okay. That's good for, and you this plateau. Well, it turns out that the, it's a, the plateau is a, a set of mixed emotions. It's an, it's like, it's like, and I am, who who would venture to tell me which emotions you mix together to have the experience of being on the plateau, like, oh, that's enough, oh, and you just kind of forget about it, oh, like that. How? Who would try to guess what those emotions are? Or from your own experience, what would you sense that they are?
5: In my case, I mix fear and anger.
1: Okay, what's the anger about?
5: it's turned towards myself of not moving forward and it's the fear of moving forward.
1: Okay. What does moving forward mean? Like, why should you be afraid of moving forward?
5: Of trying something different than what I am trying right now in my life.
1: Okay. And and. This is a con this is a it's a big emotion. So there's a third emotion mixed in. What's the emotion you left out that might be involved in that?
5: The sadness.
1: Yeah, and what would this sadness be about?
5: It's about the violence. The what the violence violence yes the violence against myself
1: can you explain that
5: yes when i'm in that place of a mixing the the anger and the fear there's an internal war and it's very painful
1: because and- it's painful because
5: I'm, I'm hurting myself. I I am
1: imploding. Well, imploding. Imploding, yeah. Yes. Yeah, it turns out what we're finding is this grief. There's a huge amount of grief, unexpressed, suppressed grief in this plateau sensation. and And if it's not okay to be sad, if you can't share with somebody, my world is falling apart, or if you can't share with somebody, can I cannot believe that I've been doing this behavior my whole life. I cannot believe I did not see this before. I cannot believe I caused this much pain, like you said, for myself and for other people. I can't believe I undermined or destroyed so much tenderness or so much vulnerability. And there's this huge grief, like an immense amount of grief about that. And And it's our tendency to want to do something about it i want to heal that i want to go through a process i want to try something different i want to do an experiment i want to write about it in my journal i want to tell you know i, I want to so so it's all this thing about doing something about it trying to do to something to change it instead of staying there staying there at that x on the map at that place of experiencing the grief and the sadness and the anger uh, that's that is all mixed together at that point. And that's where it's really useful to have a partner in the team. So that's what what we're finding in the Gremlin transformation is that the space holder and your three cell, like the, the main practice is staying with each other at that X on the map and not trying to go somewhere else and do something. And you just stay there and it's horrible it seems horrible and yet that awareness it's the awareness and consciousness itself the awareness itself that is causing the inner changes but that's where the healing or the sh- the transformation happens is by staying on this edge of recognizing the horror of the situation the pure horror like the horribleness the unbelievable I can't believe that I was doing this for so long. I have I just did it just now again and just stay right there in the company of another person who can stay with you in that consciousness. And this awareness is the, the catalytic element that unfind unwinds unrolls like un like, um, disassembles or deconstructs the behavior that you put together essentially to cover up, to cover up your, uh, you know, to protect yourself, essentially, you know, the, the survival nature of the behavior. You, we develop this survival strategy and it shows up as gremlin behaviors because it's a way of avoiding consciousness and responsibility. And then, and so to un, un, unpack, unfold, deconstruct what you put together so long ago is happens by you staying at that point. This is one of the big things that we're finding. So the, you know, Leslie, the uh, the objective of, well, I discovered a behavior. Now I'm going to not do It's really not, not the effective way to really deal. These things are big. These things are really big things in our life. And because it's painful, like almost nobody in the world, is in a supportive enough space to do it. so that's why it's so great when we connect here together. Like when you just call somebody up from the group here and just say, hey, can you just talk with me? I I need to share this. And they go, yeah. Leslie, go ahead. You're going to say something.
0: Yeah. um, I didn't really explain the whole process. One, One piece of it was to observe whenever I felt like doing this behavior and so and not not in a judgmental way but just 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 to notice it and notice what I did do instead or what I did do as a result of noticing wanting to do the behavior so yeah so yeah, I mean, I understand that it's still around changing it instead of around um, really diving into it. I understand what you're saying. Yeah.
1: Even even diving into it is a it's doing something.
0: Oh, <laughs> okay.
6: go ahead, Jeff yeah the question i have leslie because you said to observe it in a non-judgmental way but i I get the sense that even that is like trying to remove your 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 self-judgment and and to just okay if there's judgments that that maybe that is the doorway to to just sit with it and be like fuck this sucks like like i remember in the lab in poland you get Clinton, you gave me this feedback at, like day one at the beginning, and it's like it's just been sitting with me for since then. It's really just like it's this little drops of of pain and and just anger and sadness, and yeah, it's been it it kept me really aware of it, like really aware and 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 helped me to try to become more careful of how I move and how I make messes.
1: Yeah, which, which even trying to be careful is trying to do something. And this is even just, just being, you know, being in it, being in the thing rather than putting marshmallow over it or frosting over it or understanding over it, even trying to understand is doing something. And it's a subtle thing to be in the presence of another human being and not perform the usual, um, Show that we perform, and let the thing let the thing disassemble. You know, let it come apart. where really where it is, really, and just let it just without doing anything, just stay there in it. Yeah. Solange, you were going to say something.
7: Yeah, I'm emotional right that way. Are
1: you, I, the way it works here my, is my, I feel sad, glad, scared, uh, or angry just which
7: yeah all of that
1: no no okay well, Go
7: ahead. i i think i'm grateful grateful because my homework this week will be to stay there that's it <laughs> that's it and uh, if i leave the the study group right now i will be uh, grateful but i'm not leaving because uh, everything is, is said up. stay there <laughs> thank you
0: Yeah,
1: thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Solomon. Somebody else? Anything right now? It's this exactly where we are in the book on the path of the book. You know, we're exactly at this stuff called edge work. To stay at the edge, stay on the edge. Without trying to fix it, without trying to change it, without trying to deepen it, without just staying at the edge. And that this is the edge work. And not trying to go further, not trying to do, you know, so much the next step, because the next step unfolds. It's like right to stay right there. I mean so I'm just gonna read from the book. What page are we on? We're on page two. No, 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 we're on page. 225, 225, and it's in Edgework stuff. It's like, so it says, since we live within the perceptual limits of our box, and our box confidently reassures us, this is all there is. That's what the box is saying kind of all the time. I, I, this is how it is. And the box tells us that, and we believe that. Then sometimes we forget that there are vast domains just beyond the edges of your box, full of what you do not know, that you do not know about. We just touched on this last week. It's like what's beyond the edges of the box is the stuff that you don't know that you don't know about. This is this place of greatest discovery. You discover it at the edge. And so the interface between the known and the unknown is where you have the greatest opportunity to gain new perspective and make unrestricted actions. At that edge, traditional systems break down. So this is what we're talking about. Your traditional life system breaks down at the edge. And that's about the most horrible kind of mixed massively fear-inducing, freak-out inducing experience beyond understanding right there at that edge because traditional your traditions, your habits, your known survival strategies don't they break down because they're not in the middle of your known world. So The traditional systems break down, thus creating real necessity for new possibilities to be discovered. And so what we're saying is that place at the edge, staying there, being with the grief and the fear and the rage, you know, just staying like there in public, like with in conversation with somebody else who can be with you there without trying to fix you, without trying to make it better for you. Just to be, and not trying to even understand you so much, just to be there and have that. So, this is where new possibilities are discovered. And to get to the edge, you exchange, to, to get to the edge, you're exchanging security for adventure. And I, we talked about this before, which is like our story about what's really going on is, oh my God, I'm feeling bad, or I'm. I'm having a breakdown, or I'm going insane, or I don't, my whole life is falling apart, or whatever the story is, that's an oh my God kind of story, is to exchange that for a discovery adventure. Well, I'm on a discovery adventure, and it has a totally different map for your your current personal experience, and it's also a, a... working map it's a valuable map to share with someone else when they don't know you anymore when they when their when their box's connection to your box is wiggly because your box is changing shape somehow and then they go what's going on you know you should see a doctor maybe you need brain drugs you know maybe you're having a maybe you have a tumor in your brain or maybe god maybe i don't know what you say hey I'm, I'm on an adventure. This is a this is a transformational adventure process, and uh, if you get really close to me, you're going to go on it too. So, are you ready for the next adventure? It's like mm, that's a, just a I just we just I it's an experiment, like we said. It's just really a recommend that story for yourself and for other people. If you need a story, use try that one. That'd be Experiment for this week is each time something comes up, just say, Look, I'm this is an adventure. And you can say that even to the the person you're buying your apples from, or the the hitchhiker that you pick up, or your mom when she calls, you know, she goes, Honey, I just, I just don't, what's going on? I haven't heard from you in so long. You go, I'm on an adventure, you know, and your mom secretly, I bet you, your mom secretly has always wanted to go on adventure also. And you can just say this is a fantastic conversation to have with your mom. Is It's like, mom, what adventures? Tell me about your adventures. What are your secret experiments? What adventures did you want to go on or have you been going on? And then you just stop. You just listen. And you might be really surprised what your mom can tell you about the experiments that she's been trying. So that it's a great it's another experiment is to have this conversation with your mom and suddenly there is a rich source of riskiness and aliveness in your space that's what the this book is saying it's like by saying you're on an adventure it's you have permission to be like in this riskiness and aliveness and the adventure both of which are foods that nurture extraordinary human relating you get that by being vulnerable about your invulnerability. You discover a new kind of vulnerability, a new kind of connection that nurtures extraordinary human relating. Nonlinear nutrition is not available in the marshmallow zone of your box. And, and so, this, like, even this space that we're having now, the conversation we have when we have the study group is food. It's, it's non-linear food for your being, and it's not available in the marshmallow zone conversations that you may have in other spaces. The view at the edge is exhilarating, inspiring, enlightening, and also a bit confusing or scary, it can be. And you can, t- you can tell that you are at an edge. Because you will have two simultaneously, two simultaneous perspectives, you know, at the same time, you will see two things at the same time. The same thing, you'll see it two different ways. And you can get used to this, but just recognize, okay, I'm at the edge. I'm going to see what's going on around me from two different perspectives. One is the familiar view of what used to be considered normal. This used to be your normal. And that doesn't go away it does not go away but at the same time an additional view completely at odds with the traditional view meaning it's complete it could be even contradictory or it doesn't they don't mesh together these two views do not make sense with each other because you're looking into two different domains the one is the ordinary and the other view is this almost unlimited possibility of what else could happen what could be next? You know, what's actually going on is not so restricted and defined. And so, those two views one is, God, this is who I used to be. This is normal. And this view over here is, is, well, there's all these other things that are possible for me, and they do not fit together. Those are two different worlds. And you're having that experience at the same time. And this is an alchemical process inside of you. You're the, it's called an athenor. It's the alchemist's oven to heat stuff up. And you put stuff together, put it in a clay pot, stick it in the oven and heat it up. That's an alchemical process that is going on inside of yourself. So you're you can also tell people that you're an alchemist and you're you're that's a little far fetched. You know, it might be going over the limit. But I mean, with, why not? If you understand what I'm talking about and you know what it feels like, then you can, with confidence and clarity, say, it's alchemy going on in the Athenor. And I am the Athenor. Mm. So you hold both views long enough to realize that you have two views, that while you're having two views, this is edge work. So you hold the views long enough that you're experienced going, ah, this is edge work. And by, to sustain these two views, it demands the same kind of practice that it takes to learn tightrope walking. So Anybody can write on a walk on a, a slack line or a tightrope? Anybody can do that? Whoa, Keenan, okay. Whoa, Dawei, okay. So can, can either of you guys tell us what it's like to practice that?
8: I fell down a thousand times. That that's that's my main experience of that. And <laughs> wow. at some point, at some point, it works.
1: I think they can't get a better description <laughs> than that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so even, even learning to get on it first say it again say it again even learning really? to get on it first <clears throat> can you say more in about that way, think about walking
1: how do you learn to get on it
2: uh for me it's a period of of like stepping up onto it in a way that your your weight is controlled but it's ah, say, say i i having to having to step on it so that my my weight just doesn't and and so even that was you know stage you know whole a whole spiral on the learning cycle so you know it's a strange thing because
1: you said that my weight is controlled and how can you control your weight because it's just you have this mass and the gravity's pulling on it and how can you control your weight it's like you you've you know, you're trying to move your, your weight around or your center of gravity around. It's a whole new perspective. It's a whole new world. And then you fall off a thousand times and all of a sudden it works. You take three steps and then fall off. Go, what You know, how did that work? And then you can't figure it out for another thousand falls. I mean, this is what this is like. So it's adventure. This is, so what we're talking about is discovering a whole a whole new Relationship to gravity, like Dawei was saying, like a whole new and a whole new relationship to practice. You know, I tried it once and it didn't work. So okay, that's not what we're talking about. It's I tried it a thousand times and it never worked, and I'm still trying. Okay, that's edge work. And you know, of course, there are things to there are refinements in your perception, there there discernments in your being. You need new distinctions and new vocabulary. And you need whole new approaches, and that's what this edge work is about. It's just, it's there's a great film, a little film called, it's called Secret Society, and uh, it's it's just a story about a woman who seems so ordinary. is like in a, such an ordinary world, and with an ordinary job and an ordinary boyfriend. And she discovers exactly what we're talking about. She discovers that the world, even though the doorway is the ordinary, but the the ordinary world has doorways into extraordinary extraordinary life. So I'm not going to say more about it, but it's just a, a very fine uh, example of how of what exactly what we're talking about the kind of edge work where that the by engaging what's happening with from the from the perspective of this is an adventure, this is a science experiment. you know this is this is edge work. I'm an edge worker. I am an edge worker. it's a new identity and to go into it like that is uh, possible in every like each moment. So so let's see. While practicing, you will find that it is far easier to fall into one of those views or the other. The ordinary view or that it's hopeless, I'll never get it, chaos you know, view. It's easier to fall into one of those than to hold both views at the same time. And that's this tightrope walking thing. So it's like walking on a razor's edge to balance on a razor's edge. Experien- experiencing both realities together, which is also a mandatory film from the from our film list, is The Razor's Edge. How many people have seen The Razor's Edge with Bill Murray? Yeah, not enough. Would you type that one down? Yeah, for but stupid? then you're going to not be able to see. Yeah, I get that <laughs> So does anybody want to say anything right now?
6: Jeff. Yeah, so there's there's this distinction of walking the tightrope, and there's also the distinction of the three men falling off falling off the cliff, and I'm I'm trying to reconcile them, but I I'm not I'm not seeing this because in my life there's places where I'm like I am balancing, and there's places I just got to jump, and I I my, yeah there's a question about where is the where do these two distinctions meet
1: why why do they have to meet i don't know yeah i think a lot of the things don't meet and when you can contain both of those things that don't meet you have to become bigger you know your your inner space becomes more complex more sophisticated more elegant to hold you know hold both of those things and they don't they don't fit together. Leaping off of a cliff, leaping into a gap, leaping through a gap is different from having the rug pulled out and dropping into a bottomless pit. Those are very different uh, domains, even though they both have what we think is something similar, which is this falling or this bottomlessness, this groundlessness thing. And there, you know, groundlessness. I mean, what Jeff is, ta- is hinting at is this whole suggestion of of opening up the possibility that the groundlessness becomes your home, or groundlessness becomes a way of life. And I'm not saying. I'm not saying a condition of groundlessness means confused or powerless. That's not the kind of groundlessness we're talking about. There's a a Buddhist teacher named. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Pema Chodron, who is famous for saying, "the the nature of reality is groundlessness." Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. The nature of reality is groundlessness. And if that's if that were so, I mean that's her research. And if that's so, then everything that seems to be gra- have ground, like something solid to stand on, is an illusion. And it's okay, this is so opposite or so far away from the the teachings that we got from school or modern society, what it's focused on knowing and having a retirement fund that you're building up so when you get retired, you know, you have enough money to live on, you know, it's like building up your portfolio of investments and your possessions so that, you know, you have a whole world. Uh, that's on on solid ground and okay it's like putting almost tying yourself with a rope and then putting the other end of the rope into the ground with a stake you just hammer it into the ground and hammer it into the ground and hammer it into the ground and here's here you are a thing that's designed to fly and you spent your whole life doing the right thing hammering stakes in the ground all holding you down on the ground and there's a that's That's a painful thing to do to yourself. And it's like uh, uh, Sonia was saying about the violence. This is a kind of violence. A number of people in the, just to share this, number of people in the Gremlin transformation work are discovering how valuable it is to be in a weekly or more call with an organization called Violence Anonymous, which is a a 12-step program Around, it's a global 12-step program for, for the, um, addressing, you know, facing into violence to yourself, you know, violence as a, as a way. It's like, and so, again, this is not the kind of behavior, gremlin self-cannibalism is not the kind of behavior that you can change by force of will. It doesn't happen that way. It changes through a force of awareness, force of consciousness, force of expansion, force of dissolution, force of grief. These are all these forces. Force of camaraderie between, you know, people on the path. You know, these are the. This is the way things evolve. And so, Can I
4: say yeah. I mean, it seems to me that these stakes are, are not just material things. I mean, the the material the stakes. You mean? This, yeah. Yeah. Are not. I mean, it's obvious to think about the material thing, but I think most of us are have kind of let go of most of those stakes as edge workers already. But it's stuff like um, stakes can also be uh, how many how many girlfriends do I have around? You know, how many women do kind of like me? You know, or, or trying to have trying to have people like like you. That's a kind of a stake to behave in a way, but also but like we were saying, I think these mixed emotions are are these kind of stakes. So depression or uh, hysteria, like Sonia, you were sharing, or for me, it's more this mix of fear and sadness. It's this um, despair. Like even the despair is a state. It's a, okay, there I have ground. I know if I'm in despair, then I know how to handle myself. I know, and it's familiar. That's a kind of ground. And so what I, I was just thinking about it is that in this, you know, this monumental distinction between feelings and emotion is the gr- the groundlessness of life, like Pema Shondun said, is really, has a lot of feelings. It's really intense in feelings. Really, there's a lot of fear and a lot of anger and a lot of sadness and also a lot of joy and celebration. But if, if you don't distinguish that between uh, your, your emotional state Then it's that you might think you're in groundlessness when actually you keep staking into the ground in these mixed emotional familiar, these familiar emotions. And and so I never thought about this, but actually it's impossible to do groundlessness work without having that distinction between feelings and emotion, without distinguishing
1: between the two. Can you just say the distinction right now?
4: Yeah, that that feelings come out, feelings are from the present, feelings are from from groundlessness, actually, and from reality and and are I mean, I think there are a tool to navigate groundlessness, and it you know, I would say, for example, uh, grief, which lasts longer than three minutes, is a tool to navigate groundlessness, so grief is kind of this special exceptional uh, tool that is totally necessary in groundlessness that does last more longer than than 3 minute and it's kind of a state to be in and then but the other ones of uh you know compare like this victim sadness or this uh parental rage you know you must you have to you should this is not good you're not doing it right or this uh you know this fear of I mean groundlessness is extremely scary but this this emotional anxiety and stress that's not groundlessness that's the stake that's the, the stake in the ground so and so the the emotions are you know to heal and i i guess you know what we're saying is the healing process doesn't have to be go free emotional healing process it could also be s- stay stay in the emotion and 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 get what it's really like? Why is it important? What like to just be to be in there? Where's the view of? And I think it is the where's the view of? Okay, I'm having a particular emotion and I'm making up a particular story to have a stake in the ground. Where's the, where's that view? Which I would call it a neutral view, but it's not pain painless. It's just non non judgmental.
1: So even. Even leaving the ground, if it's not okay for you to feel grief, you cannot leave the ground because when you get off from the ground, who knows who you're changing? Who knows who you will be when you go back to the ground? And so you're leaving. You have to grieve the loss of who you thought yourself to be before you left the ground because you won't necessarily be the same when you come back and, and And that's totally proper. And it's like it's flying fuel. Grief is flying fuel. I mean, it's like it's really to let go of the ground. You have to feel grief because it's a letting go of. And I want to paraphrase a comment on this conversation for anybody who's jumping in on the video at some point, because this whole conversation is not a psychological conversation. We're not having a how to be a normal human being and come back to the normal uh, life or normal health of a normal human being. This is not psychological work. This is, we're not doing a psychobabble conversation. This is a conversation about how, what it is involved in gaining access to spaces of extraordinary relating. That's what this conversation is about. And it's an entirely different world than trying to be normal. It's, it's, it's trying to go back to normal. A really excellent explanation about that is this distinction between two phase healing and three phase healing. There's a website called three phase healing, which I encourage you to familiarize yourself with because, for example, in ordinary medicine, you, you are healthy. The idea is that you're healthy and then you are, you get sick or you have an accident, and the doctor's job then is to bring you back into the condition of how you were before, which is the healthy state. So it's you know healthy, sick, back to health. So there's two phases, either you're healthy or you're sick, and the doctor's job is to take you back to the healthy state. This is two-phase healing. So in extraordinary relating, in edge work, we're using, we're using a model called three-phase healing. And the way that that goes is you have a certain life, call it healthy, call it whatever you want. And then you go into this shift place, some kind of an evolutionary transformational shift place. The bottom falls out. You're, and you could call it sick. You know, you can call it whatever you want. But then the point is to recognize the phase two of healing as the transformational state as the shift state and you're sh- you're shifting into something else and so the the phase three of three-phase healing is to emerge as your new self and to have new practices new preferences new awarenesses new ways of of life new ways of relating and you're you just the the place the first phase, one where you used to be, is is ancient history. It's before the fall. You know, it's before the crack and before things just disintegrate. And trying to go back there is not the goal. Moving on the path is what's happening, but moving on the path is not even the goal. It's just three-phase healing is one state, a liquid state, a new state. This is three-phase healing. So it's a way to approach unbalances, yeah.
4: Yeah and the imbalances the more acute they are it basically means that you you're you're stuck in in phase 2 like you're not you're not moving into your new identity the more you know the more your body or bodies have to give you symptoms it's like you're resisting the the shift of identity and so but it's possible to kind of roll to roll into these new identities instead of having you know whatever cancer or breaking a leg or, you know, these big kind of symptoms is this is a resistance.
1: Yeah. then the universe has to use a hammer, like something really big. So if you just get used to, if you adopt the three phase healing process as part of your evolutionary path, then you roll more easily into the second phase of the liquid state or the transformational state. And uh, so the hammer the universe doesn't have to crack open your current life. Um, you probably know people that that's happened to. that the universe had to use the hammer to get them into some kind of liquid state where new awarenesses could happen and then and yeah, so you can avoid that pretty much if you just decide you just go, okay, what liquid state am I going in today? instead of trying to guard against liquid states, to actually roll into them, like anne Chloe said. So I'm back in the book for a minute. The double perspective of seeing the the ordinary and seeing the the edge, you know, what's on the other side of the edge, that double perspective produces a crack in your certainty.
4: Can I say something about that?
1: I just want to say that that crack is what the hammer is trying to do the hammer shock experience from the universe is just trying to create that crack. And you can create it simply by having the holding these two perspectives.
4: Yeah. I mean, for one of my experiment last week, which was this um, notice what I'm noticing and notice what I'm not noticing. It was incredible to do this while Clinton and I are traveling and to notice what Clinton is noticing. And to, to notice what somebody else is noticing, because then it's a sharp contrast between what I'm noticing, what I am noticing. And to realize that, for example, since I've been hanging out with Clinton, I, I didn't used to look at trees. I didn't used to notice trees. And now I can go around and pretty much. Um, you know, I, I have a number like ten or fifteen trees that I know, and I can notice them going down the road. Or I can go into a garden and say, "This is this plant, and this is this plant, and this is you know doing pretty well, and this is not doing so well." Stuff that I couldn't I couldn't do at all before. And so I, you know, it was really this realization for me of this is why we do this work together, because mm-hmm. the sharp the sharpness the sharpness of the contrast between The team members of what is being noticed and what is not being noticed. And, um, and not as, you know, not this thing of God, I'm a bad person because I don't notice trees or I didn't used to notice trees. No, this is not the point to beat myself up, but to being for me, it it really creates this. Then the edge is closer and the, the edge is easy, more easily accessible when there's somebody else who's noticing different things.
1: And it came to me to say that, well, you might have this strategy of waiting around trying to find someone that you can do these edge work experiments with. And then you're waiting around to find someone to do those with rather than doing the edge work experiments and then noticing somebody over here doing some kind of a similar edge work experiment and you meet each other. Then you're, then you're both on this path and like that. So some of, you know, this is a, Typical strategy for trying to be, you know, trying to be find a partner, but trying to relate with someone else is try to find somebody to relate with and then start doing edge work experiments. This is a guaranteed crash program because because the person that you're meeting who's not doing edge work experiments would have to go through a whole lifetime of 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 like yours somehow to be interested in doing this some kind of edge work experiments with you you get that it's like if you want to go traveling you you don't go find somebody to go traveling with and then have works in an office whatever (laughs) works in a butcher shop you know and try to ask them you know what, what okay now that we're together let's go traveling you know this is not it no it's you, you know you set off and go traveling and you look around and there are other travelers and then by you know the earth coincidence control office influence you you meet up with the people where you can travel together like that i just wanted to throw that in um does somebody want to say something now Michael. <laughs>
9: shit you saw it okay <laughs> so uh, thank you and chloe for bringing the last experiment in i i forgot about it and while you were talking i i noticed that whenever my my travel buddy is is uh bringing her notice she, she shows quite often her noticing like look at that look at that and and i got annoyed so often and i was like rich getting rigid and Definitely not looking there, but looking straight <laughs> and doing my mission and, and resisting from noticing what she notices. Uh, I I just want to have it in the space that that's my mechanic that I observe when you just so, shared that.
1: Michael, how's it going? Like, how, what experiments are you doing or what, what's happening about that? Uh, well,
9: I noticed that. I observed that that's this, this rigidity and this kind of anger. It's, it's a, it's a th- sort of anger that it happens quite often, like on a daily basis. And it's, it's one, one part of that is, is hurting a lot. And it's a pain of, yeah, it's pain. It's, it's sad. It, it's saddening it, it I, because And I fear it that it never stops and I'm, I'm angry at myself. And I'm, the experiment I, I have one experiment I do around is that I use even emotional joy to, to stop the, I would call it resentment. Like when I, when I notice I'm in that rigidity, I use a a joy, whatever I can grasp, like even a wind blow or sunshine. To, to to have the possibility of, of looking around and seeing something different. And uh, yeah.
4: I'll I'll try something. Mm, you know, I mean, I'm talking, you know, Mikhail, because you're sharing. But it's you get you get to hang out with a woman who has really worked her way out of. I say something before what, that. Yeah,
1: it, it'll be an introduction. Okay. Um, in a way, Michael, what you've just exemplified is the difference between the masculine and the feminine. And the the masculine: one channel, one project, one focus, one thought. You know, one step at a time, straightforward path, the mission. And this is the. There's nothing else. You know, it's like the one thing and nothing else. That's it. This is the masculine, and you're and you're. It, you're sharing the shock of being around the feminine, which is this everything like that. This is everythingness, and it those cannot be the same. So one of the proposals, I'm just going to say this. Okay. Well, I guess that's is right. that where you're going to yeah, go? Probably. Oh, come on, go there.
4: Well, no. So, so I just want to say that me, we can't. It's it's a rare thing. I mean you know, the feminine is a potential in every woman, but for to be with a woman who can be that and be that so, you know, delightfully and generously around you is a gift. And like Clinton said, the, in a face, you know, the masculine in the face of all this everythingness is, is, it's like a freak out. And, but the, the, the mode that the masculine or whatever, the men in the face of the feminine can go into is this rage then you know it's so confusing and so everything and it's so so then then it's this rage and because you're not such a patriarchal asshole Mikhail, then you have you have this contained rage instead of you know re, you know
1: that was a compliment right?
4: <laughs> yeah you have this contain, okay. you have this contained rage instead of you know physically abusing or drinking or race car driving or that's all this rage in the face of you know this possible rage in the face of the everythingness or the possibility of everythingness. And so the I guess that's probably the invitation from Clinton is you can learn as a man you can learn to become 90% feminine to to to, to move into or to experience or to be with you know the everythingness that 90 percent of your being experience then you keep this 10 percent masculine you know
1: to the sword the sword
4: yeah the pruning the you know the bullshit detector the
1: you know clarity and distinctions mm-hmm. proposals
4: and and just so you know the the experiment for the feminine the woman is to experience herself as a beingness at least ten percent or to experiment yeah being ten percent masculine, and you can keep ninety percent everything' that's so feminine, and it is you know it is said that it's harder for a woman actually to be ten percent masculine
1: you know than you, for a man to answer yes or no questions with yes or no, like that, to say what you want to you know, <laughs> et cetera.
4: I mean, so I was at the, we were at a cafe yesterday. And when we go at a cafe for me, it's like, I see all these tables and I'm like, I need to choose out like which table I'm going to sit at, you know? And I, so I try to avoid responsibility by Clinton, you know, where do you want to sit? He says, Oh, no, 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 I'm not, I will not decide where we sit. So I said, but there's the sun, but this is the better view and there's the music here. And like all this stuff is happening. And I really learned to be okay. I, I just decide. And yesterday we were at a cafe and this old kind of couple comes in and the guy is just kind of this one track mind, you know, he's taking pictures or something. And the woman says, Oh, where do you want to sit? And he said, you decide. And I see this panic coming in her about like, shit, <laughs> now I have to decide. But it, and you know, and it was completely sort of unconscious, you
1: know, cause if I decide it will be wrong, <laughs> yeah. you know, I will have left out 50 percent of the factors, Yeah. You know. You know, when you have a, when you have this table, here's a really good hint. For the guys. When you have the table and one seat faces the wall and one seat faces looking at all the other customers, guess which seat the woman should sit in. It is not looking at the wall. So that's a really big hint. You automatically sit facing the wall and the woman will be happy. Otherwise, she's turning around the whole time you know, trying to see what's going on out there who's coming what in I'm, what they're wearing what i'm
4: saying michael is you don't have to do anything with all of it you don't have to handle it or control it or make sense of it or um you know i don't know what the the resentment which i think it comes from anyway i i would I'm suspicious irritation. that it comes from fear it's
1: irritation yeah from the focus of moving <laughs> ahead and getting the thing done and handling all the chaos. And letting it fall to the side and taking a step and really getting somewhere okay. it's fucking irritation about that being distracted
4: okay. <laughs> okay
1: you know this whole study group would be you know in a way like entering the extraordinary and archetypal domains like if Anne cloy was not sitting here in this space if you know, if we were not doing this together, it would be pointless. It would be just this dry, you know, conceptual, theoretical, (laughs) blah, blah. So I'm just really so happy to be able to be in this space with a colleague on one camera or two uh, who brings in all these other elements from the guy who wrote the book. Okay, thank you. (laughs) Uh, anybody else something else? Can you any just want to say thank you. Yeah.
9: Just wanna say thank you, thank you for uh the experiment and Chloe and uh, thank you for seeing me, Clinton. Thank you.
1: <laughs> Brothers and sisters we are. Can you were you you can you add some uh salt mm-hmm. and pepper and spice and, and vegetables and sunshine and things like that to the <laughs> soup? The spoon. Throw the spoon in.
0: What I discovered last is that I that I get adapted. This is one of my latest gremlin food researches. So when this happens, that uh, actually I notice something, and I I have this urge of oh I want that. There's there seems to be a nice bakery, and we could also stay there overnight. And if there's something that I sense it was just the right the wrong time that I said it because he was into something different. And and then I feel this this resentment. For me it's energetically very strong. His anger. Then I just stop and give up and I stay mm. with this adaptive.
1: I have a proposal. Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> And it's something, and Chloe and I are developing, and it is it is a code language. It's a secret code language that we use. And so, what, like for in this case, a code language is, for example, Kino, you could put your hand up like this. It's a silent code. And what Michael knows, but he knows that, uh, okay, it's not immediately urgent. It's not an emergency. And she has something that she could offer. She wants to make a proposal. And he goes along until he can hold what he's trying to hold and then makes a gap. Says, okay, now. And then he can give you his 100% attention and and without you interrupting whatever the track he's on. And then when he gives you his attention say. I have a proposal. Let's, let's go to this cafe and stay overnight there. And then he can deal with, you know, he can fit, you can, but you're, what you're the code is that you're making an offer. You're going to make an offer when he's ready, when he can make a space for it. And, and you can actually, one of our codes is like, we have these numbers, like how urgent is it? And so like, it's how, how, for example, if I have a headache, I go. I have a headache, and then she doesn't know how bad it is. So I go. I have a zero point five headache. Yeah, it's almost nothing. Or I have a six headache. Well, that's that's nasty, you know. Or her menstrual pains. You know how? Where where are you? You know, and she goes. Well, it's two. And you go. Okay, okay. And she goes. It's eight. I go. Oh my god. Okay. I'm stopping everything. You know, we're gonna do something like that. So these little numbers and these codes really can communicate stuff that's big but in a very effective and efficient way and it really it um it it's a an ease makes easefulness in really um you you call it potentially um ignitable situation you know it's like a place to blow up is you just use the code so that's a proposal a suggestion an invitation etc yeah
4: and 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 Kinu to really do – um I don't know. I just I, – I feel angry. I feel angry that the – you know, that I think so – a lot of women are adaptive to being like, okay, what does the man need right now? And then it's all about the man. It's all about is he ready? Is he not ready? Is there enough space? It doesn't have enough space. And it's – and the feminine being crushed in, in that. And so um, – there's you know the the fear you know from the adaptiveness, the fear that you did something wrong you know, and that's why you're stopping um to really go through that process you know in multiple multiple layers, but it really i think is a deep it's a really big thing for women that this fear of you know was it the right time, was it perfect was it you know and what will happen if it's not you know what kind of punishment will I get and to To kind of clean that up, which you and to just, and so then you can negotiate from a place of this is what it like, this is what I'm noticing, this is what I want, this is, you know, from an adult place, from a non reactive, non adaptive place.
1: You know, it's not a gift to Michael when you're being adaptive. He doesn't, he does not want you to be adaptive at all. That is not a help does not help when the woman is adaptive or gives her center way. This is problematical. You know, in a, an initiated man is looking for a collaborator, you know, collaborative invention, you know, extraordinary relationship is this collaborative ongoing invention of, of what's in being invented now. And the full intelligence of the masculine and the full intelligence of the feminine is required for collaborative invention and if one or the other, the man male or the female, is withholding mm-hmm. is withholding their impulse if you withhold your impulse, then the universe cannot work through you you know the forces of the echo or the forces of your archetypal lineage or your bright principles or Coincidence or the, the void cannot work through you because you're withholding your impulses, and so all is needed is a is a way to have I have an impulse. You don't have to say anything. The impulse is okay. It's a seven, It's a it's a four. It's a five. It's a two. It's a one. You know what level impulse is this? What's the urgency? And then and bring it on the table, and then then you have the entire world Gaia, you know, through your grounding core, you've got Gaia, in your relating, you've got an aliveness as intelligent and as big as Gaia, it's functioning in your relating because you negotiated how to interact collaboratively. And so it's the opposite of withholding. So it's a, there's a, there's an experiment that at some phase in your work, it's a fabulous, it's an <laughs> incredible kind of experiment to do. It's called the experiment is withhold nothing and adapt to nothing. Adapt to nothing, withhold nothing. And when when I first i I started doing that in the middle of the 1990s, around 1994, 1995, it was my world is. It was insane because I was trying to be a nice boy or a good husband or a good father you know, or a provider or something like this. I was trying to be understandable. And when it started coming out of me of withholding nothing, there were explosions. There was grief. You know, there was like I had a panic attack for the first time in my life when, when I was trying to climb a, a little mountain on a rope. And I just went down on my knees and belly crawled back to some flat land my partner thought i was just pretending but i it was like it was withholding nothing i was stopping withholding the fear that i actually had and it was this huge breakthrough for me anyway so it's like that kind of thing is withhold nothing and adapt to nothing which means respecting yourself to the degree that you might be respecting other people like the like in in Kino, in your case like to the degree that you respect mikhail it's like also respect yourself to that same degree so then there's no possibility of being adaptive it's just not possible because you respect yourself to the same degree you expect you respect your impulses to the same degree as your as your colleague as your collaborator and then you get this adventure path of you get you know all these massive forces of nature working together through you guys, you get, you know, it's delightful for the bright principles and your archetypal lineages and the earth coincidence control office and Gaia and nothingness and all these infinite resources to be able to work together through you guys working together in, you know, exp- adventuring through life. It's a totally different way. It's an extraordinary way of, of relating that, You know, most of us, we never get to see, we know, most times we never get to see such an example anywhere, you know, in the world. So, so it doesn't have to stop you. The fact that you never saw your parents do this, or you don't see it in the movies, you know, or you don't see it in the magazines, whatever, you know, it's, it's, it's a breakthrough experience of withholding nothing and adapting to nothing be ready for fireworks
4: yeah yeah i mean that's what i was going to say is that you know it could be like how can if kinu you adapt to nothing and withhold nothing and mikhail you do the same you know where is there going to be enough space and time for all you know for both of you for both of your you know being in your space and your you know your 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 bigness and but it it really works i can't explain it but it it
1: really like today you know, I, we're we arranged to we're we're car camping in South New Zealand, and we arranged to stay in this amazing little two story hexagon in the, in the middle of kind of the jungle at the ocean and the river. In and, and I had this idea of we had two nights here, and this you know last night just before I go to bed, and my computer's set up, I'm ready to do some work. You know the next to, and and Chloe says no. Like in less than an hour after the end of the study group, we need to be out of this house because the guys got rented it to somebody else. And so, all right, how do I, how do I be with that? Well, I'm sad about it. I'm angry about it. I'm frustrated about it. And I'm, you know, and I share all that. And I go, and Chloe is going, you know, thank you. That's it. She doesn't have to fix it. She doesn't have to make it better, make it nice for me. You know, it's just fucking reality.
4: Which, which is, would really be the, the unconscious, the uninitiated woman would try to be, God, I fucked up. You know, I should have rented it for two nights or, you know, and I can feel that, you know, the good girl, I totally feel that part of me being like, God, that could be totally triggered. And it was for many years.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's just this simple example we're talking about. It's like, put it on the table and and when it's okay to feel mad, sad, glad, and scared, and it's okay for somebody else to feel mad, sad, glad, and scared, you go, okay, that's that's what you're feeling right now. Thank you. Feelings pass like gas. <laughs> Feelings pass like farts. You know, you have you, you didn't fart yet. You know, I have this uncomfortable bulge <laughs> in your intestines <laughs> and it's working its way around through the organization down there, and you know, it's like this. Oh God, I feel like oh man, I'm gonna puke. I'm thought i feeling pissed off. <laughs> Gone. (laughs) (laughs) And this is the feelings pass like gas thing. So, just and if it's okay, you know, just open the windows. You know, if it's okay, you just go, wow, that was a major fart. I mean, and Chloe, you know, has been practicing. We have a fart contest going on because for I'm losing,
4: (laughs) (laughs) but I'm winning the burp one. So, oh,
1: yeah, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) she can do major burps. I haven't got that yet but the um uh, you know the thing with parts you just open the window and in a couple of minutes it's gone you know wave the <laughs> good good thank uh, you yes anything else from anybody else right now
8: I have a question about this two phase and three phase ceiling and I've been uh, Two days ago, I've been with a family who just got a new child, and um, I'm kind of something like part of the reason why this child, like I, I, I opened the door for the possibility of it being born, so I feel kind of connected to it. And okay, this because because I opened the door of keeping the child. That's that's what I want to say. And.
1: Um the, 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 <laughs> when, yeah, kid, you could be yeah. yourself. you could be completely arrogantly superiorly um self importantly bullshitting yourself. There are a few other factors involved, and to put that weight on your shoulders is a, probably a gremlin payoff for that. It'd be worth looking at what your gremlin payoff is for holding this story that you are. A major cause in the, that the woman did not get an abortion, I don't know who you're mm-hmm. talking about, but
8: no, I, w- I wouldn't say a major cause, but we had the first conversation yeah. about this.
1: Yeah. Yes so still, you're not right. granting that the the, the possibility of being an agent of of the Earth coincidence control office. You know, the Earth Coincidence Control Office does not have a mouth or hands or eyes or feet. So it can't not really do its work in the world except through agents. So when you become an agent capable of serving the Earth Coincidence Control Office, you lose your life. You you know, the life that you planned for yourself is no longer your life. It's a life that partly belongs to the earth coincidence control office. I know of no better life than that. You know, I, I grew up in California. I, I had a potentially million dollar uh, computer effects company. I was collaborating, creating. Polymerous chain reaction, PCR devices, computer programmable PCR devices back in the 1980s. And you know, these are the things that are all over the world right now. We had cutting edge PCR devices back then. So imagine how how big my company would be now. And so I, luckily for me, I was willing to let my life crash in service of the Earth Coincidence Control Office. So now instead of being, you know, a millionaire electronics company guy, you know, in California, I end up on the road living out of a backpack as a alchemical circle, you know, a a transformational circle alchemist and a mimetic engineer. And so, okay, whose life is it? Well, it's actually not my life. I get to participate in a collaborative invention of a life with these infinite resources around, you know, that are available through human beings but to just put yourself in the position of having such a massive influence and such a massive occurrence is probably a gremlin thing and blocks really blocks you know Kian, you you've been i've known you for a while and you you're doing amazing stuff i'm happy to be your friend and you know, we haven't talked recently but i'm happy to be your friend cuz you're you're in this path you're on this you, you just You've become seven different new guys since I've known you. And it's just fabulous. So, and, and to hang, the reason I'm, I can tell you this stuff is because I know you're not going to hate me for the rest of your life by saying, maybe you're bullshitting yourself about that, you know, and you Mm -hmm. go, oh, okay, well maybe I am or whatever. And you can hate me for five minutes and then you'll call me up and go, yeah, you were right. Or whatever. I don't know. (laughs) No, you were wrong about that. I really did (laughs) cause this to happen. Whatever. (laughs) So
8: Anyway, I don't think okay you. go ahead and say yeah. you. thank you and i I thought about maybe I'm bullshitting myself and I feel I played a role maybe not who knows okay anyways through through my story about it and through through being the being in the vicinity of this birth i I feel great love for this child and um so the, the birth happened and basically it was a, a f- three or four days birth with C-section. Really the child needed to be pulled out and in a massive, um, from like really crazy with instruments. And it came out blue from, not because of oxygen missing, but because it was so grabbed out of the belly, basically and and then i saw this child 3 days later and it was fine it was great but i felt this massive pain in like just meeting it it was like the field around it was so shocked and i just met it and i just cried and i was just with it and in this context i i couldn't see a three phase healing i could just see this two phase like to go back to this is not what what how you should like how this kid uh, is supposed to be in this this moment. In a way, it kind of needs to go back to its natural state. This is how it looked to me, at least. And yeah, so my my question is kind of, what if there's no agency yet to go through a three phase healing? Or like to me, the, there's agency in 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 taking the three phrase healing thing. Yeah, there's
4: just,
1: just consider the chance.
4: I'm gonna mute you, yeah. I'm gonna feedback.
1: Consider the chance that there are there are forces at work beyond what you understand right now. And trying to put things back an old way is almost, Unless you're in an Airbnb and you're trying to create the legend of taking care of the place so that they give you a five-star rating as a client in the Airbnb system, like we will be doing in you know, a half hour from now, we're going to take the covers off the bed and put it in a pile and wash all the dishes and polish the, the faucet and all of this stuff on our way out the door, putting things back into at least as good condition as it was when we walked in, you know that works. But basically, everything else of trying to put things back into the way it was is a fantasy world. It's a self-deluding child or ego state, you know, thinking that you are, you're your parent ego state thinking that you're that you know better than the universe. You know, you know better than this child, or you know better, and it should be back this some other way. You know, it's just consider the chance that it's just that, and get with the program. And the program is what you started, what you did was sounded fantastic is to be there probably, hopefully with the parent there and get present with the child and feel the things that you were feeling because you what you're doing is making conscious what's in the field. You know, the, the child doesn't know how to internavigate. It's mad, sad, glad, and scared with words and with clarity about what's going on. But for you to feel what was you know making consciously feel what was going on during the birth? That's good for everybody. I mean, that's that's coming into the present, and it, there's no no need or reason to try to make it to apologize, to repair, to make it go back to normal. There's no need for that. This is an initiatory process. Birth is an initiatory process, and people who are not completely born are suffering. And so, a lot of times in labs and in EHPs, and possibility coaching, a process will be a birth process, you know, a completion of a birth or experiencing birth or calling another part of the being through, for example, there's different, but the birth is really a huge thing and you can acknowledge it in the presence of what an earth-shaking, devastating, transformational, miraculous thing birth is by feeling it consciously right there in the present moment, that's a service. That's putting that's putting it on the table, it's bringing it out. This is real. And you were feeling that and that, that was, you don't have to say anything. You don't have to, and there's nothing to go back to. Does that help?
8: Yes,
6: thank you.
1: Okay, thank you. Anybody else, anything right now?
6: I'm curious, you said hopefully with the parent present, I'm wondering what that was about.
1: Yeah, because the parent is the space holder, and we've had so many in the last year or two, so many processes of the baby, a child, even in the mother's belly, searching for their space holder, and and having a clear experiential understanding that I need mom, I need dad, you know, I need them as a baby, you know, and when they're not there, then there's this desperation of, oh my God, okay, who's going to be my parent? Who's going to be my space holder? And there's so many adaptive old decisions, disempowerment uh, of the self rage, you know, Commitment to revenge, really, of of a baby, even in the mother's belly, not finding mom. Where's mom? Where's dad? I mean, this is a whole child raising thing. But when I first had our kids, I had two daughters when they were home birthed and homeschooled. And when they were, the people would want to come up and touch them. You know, they want to get the baby to laugh. I'm going to tickle your baby. I'm going to come over and tickle your baby. The first time somebody tried to do that, I almost broke their arm. Really, I took them out of the space and screamed at them. You will never fucking get close to this kid again. You know, a grandparent who wants to come and go, Gucci, Gucci, goo, you know, it's rape. You know, it was so clear to me that as a space holder, to guard the space of the baby With that extreme level of attention and presence to not even once let somebody come in and try to tickle my baby and make it laugh, you know, or take something, you know, the the innocence, try to take away something from the baby. So this is guardianship. And that kind of space holding is needed, you know, from from a a baby, even in the mother's belly. It needs that until it can take its own guardianship over, which is not until like 18 years old. But of course, along the way, we're learning steps of how to do that for ourselves. And there's lots of ways, millions of ways for a parent to um, empower a child in various stages of its life to take more and more responsibility, the providing opportunities for the child to take more and more levels of responsibility for their space holding themselves. So in, there's this, init, like, initiations at seven years old, for example, there's this context shift from mother to earth, and at 13, 11, 12, 13 years old, there's this a huge other context shift into more radical levels of responsibility, even in nature, things like that. So, but but the guardianship for that is really, the that's what the parenting part is, is guardianship. You know, it's like holding space for this thing to unfold and but without controlling it, you know, without trying to manage it, just holding space for it. Does that help? Jeff? Good.
4: I want to add something. It's not really about your, your question, Jeff. And it's a, a research that I'm I'm just starting, but this shift, you know, what you said, Clinton, like the people searching desperately for their parents. It seems that that could be related to then later on searching desperately for authorities, for authority figure. Mm. If you're desperately looking for authority figures, it could be that you're actually desperately searching for, you know, where is mom in the beginning, you know, really early on, and then where is dad? And recently, I went through this emotional healing process, emotional healing process, where I discovered that how adaptive I had become to for my dad to see me, for my so for my dad to find me. You know, for my dad to find me, I had to become so adaptive of being the the cleverest, the fastest, the smartest, the most beautiful, the all this stuff because that was the only thing he could see. So if I wasn't that, he couldn't find me. And by doing that, I discovered that I never had a relationship to my own value, like to my own being. I, I could not. It was like where is my being? I cannot see my own value. And in this process, when I, it, it really looked like I was this monkey, this circus monkey where I would, my, my father could only see kind of at certain level that I had to jump, always jump to be able to be seen. And in that process, I discovered, God, there's this whole other part of me, like un, under the vision, under the vision for my dad, that was never seen or never acknowledged, never, he was never delighted by, he was, it was never this, Wow, this awe, like nothing to do is to do anything about it, but just to be in awe of this other part of me, like this huge other part of me. And in this process, finally reclaiming this, I am an amazing person. God, I have this amazing being. And finally to be able to see myself through myself instead of seeing myself through the dad of, through the eyes of my dad. And, and so I, i I wanted to really share that because i I don't know you know if it's the same for sons and father, I think there's a lot of other things happening there or not happening actually a lot of things that are not happening, but as a there's this thing about the daughter and the father the the daughter giving their center away to the father you know finally can you you know can you acknowledge me can you see me can you um will will completely invalidate any experience that you have of yourself from yourself I mean, this is me. I can feel me. And that's, and that's, and so it's also, you know, searching for the father, like searching for, am I good enough? Am I valuable my, enough? Am I, it, all of that is still searching for the father and that can be not go back to does the father see me, but to take that authority back take that agency back of I see me,
5: I feel me, yeah.
1: Sonia, go ahead.
5: I did the EHP about the emotional fear when I wake up during the night, mm-hmm. and it I, I went to several moments when I was around five years old that I would wake up with this. Huge fear and sadness of the world ending as I know it. And I would go to my parents' bed and I would try and talk to my father and tell him I'm afraid. And he wasn't able to hold space for me. So what I, the things that you are sharing about being in this search for the space holder for the authority, for the father, it's pretty much what I experience. And uh, it's still difficult to sleep and wake up with these big feelings. And the, the perception is that I'm alone. I don't know what to do with all the things that I'm feeling. Thank you for bringing that up. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, thank you. And you you still are in the process of going through the layers of that. The, yeah. I
5: mean, yeah. Yes, I'm, I'm going to ask for other processes because during this process, I had a conversation with Gaia and the energy saying, okay, I need to to, to sleep, I need to rest. I cannot be connected all the time. And now I've created the space of a ritual where I'm saying, I'm going to sleep now. And when I wake up, okay, I'm ready. And this is helping. And there are other things. I can see that there are other things to it.
4: Yeah. Well, one one of the things, you know, I know that you're going traveling somewhere and you're going, and it is to really be, have this thing where when the feelings come up of the fear and the sadness of the world collapsing, that you just grab somebody and, and say it and, and, and do that for six months, you know, like every time it's coming up, you say, I'm feeling scared because this is dying, you know, because my basil plant is dying. I'm feeling, I'm, you know, I'm feeling sad because I'm this relationship with this person is dying and, and you and you say it if you could find somebody to say it every time, but and you can it can be also is, uh, you know the woman at the shop, you know, and she said how are you, and and you say, well I'm sad because, I'm afraid because this is dying, and and that's it, you know, and you say and thank you, and then you pay and and, but to really say it because I think, like you say, a lot of it is, be unsaid still, it's so much is being is unsaid.
1: And if you would like to ask anybody in the team here for an emotional healing process you know to be then just you can do that now if you want
5: yes i want to ask for an emotional healing process to go to the next layer of the this fear that i have during the night who can hold space for me
1: i see dorothea kian and dawe great Thank you. And Michael. Dorothea, Kian, Dawe, and Michael. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Is anybody else <clears throat> sensing that they want a team for an emotional healing process from here? Anybody else want to do that right now?
2: I want to share about mine from last week as well. Go ahead, so I had this big fear and, and sadness coming up about this. I, I mean, almost what we were describing again of, you know, that I've been spending my life putting these stakes in. And then Ingrid held space for me about this. And actually it, went, it immediately shifted somewhere completely different where I went to a memory where my mom was very preoccupied and just left me by this staircase. And somehow as a child, I was four or five, I went to this place of the adult ego state that I had at that age and, and created this separation, this energetic separation in my body of, of, okay, when I'm alone, I go to this place. And then when my mom comes back uh, it's like she left. And then, so I have to leave into this little bubble of mine. And when she comes back then I have to leave that place and come back into this um, show, show place with her. And so I created that story. And then I also created the story of, um, of because I had access to this, I, I don't need to ask for help and I won't and, and I have to be silent and I and I just don't ask for help because I can handle it. And then after that, I somehow went sideways into another memory of about the same age where I was learning how to read and the whatever sheet we had, the, the words at the bottom were cut off. And, and it was very, very hard to read it and I asked the teacher you know what this said and and she couldn't read it and and then I looked at it and I could read it and and it was this thing of uh gosh i have to uh I have to go somewhere else and it was like um and then she she gave her center to me when she realized I could read it and and even at that age, I didn't want it and i and i of course, I didn't know how to say that I didn't have any concept of this. Uh, but I had to go in this place of not being able to be myself and having to just completely hide and, and, again, do this split and show this one thing to the teacher so that everything would be okay.
1: Wow, thank you. Thank you, God, Isn't it such a rich journey? There's so many things to discover about ourselves that are not good or bad or right or wrong. And in fact, they worked. Whatever we did worked. And so it has this inherent nobility in that it actually allowed us to survive. It actually worked. And then having the option of, God, what did that do to me? Or am I still using this technology that I, I created in this spontaneous invention moment and, it, and adopted it as part of my survival strategy, am I still using that? Is it appropriate to still use it? What is it blocking? What is it empowering that's distorted? And, and a chance to start over each time one of those realizations happens. It's just a really accurate description. Thank you for sharing that. Do you need, Dawi, do you need anything about that?
2: No, thank you.
1: great, cool. Thank you. Anybody else wanting to say something right now dorothea do you we haven't heard your voice today. Could you just say something
3: um I mean, for me, the, this call and the last call are very important as I'm offering a box workshop intensive for sessions for people who are not at all in possibility management. So I, I write a lot about having ideas and creating experiments and what I can bring into that team. So this is one thing. And another thing, it 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 might be a little bit funny, so I at least think it's a little bit funny, but at the end it's really bad, is that I made experiments with an artificial intelligence. There is this GPT chat. You might know that you can ask questions and can say, write me a text about this and that. And I did that. About a conversation about art, and that was so ridiculous. But I was fighting with that artificial intelligence. I was so triggered by some answers and some um, words. This, I don't. I, I don't even know how to how to call it or how to name it. Is it the it? Is it the she? Is I? whatever it is, it's just a machine based on data they got fed. And my assumption is that they fed modern culture behavior. So the reaction of that machine for me mirrors how modern culture reacts usually on me. And uses the same sentences and, and and triggers and whatever and my gremlin couldn't stop to fight against this so I was like this is not about opinion this is about this and you don't listen to me i actually read my question properly you know it was it was really it was awful and i couldn't stop and I, and that was such a clear x on my map Like, what does, does that mean that i fight to that ai and to see where i'm fighting in 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 the world with people always receiving knowing it's not the case but but feeling receiving emotionally feeling that i have the story about they are against me or they 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 are not uh, meaning it um in a in a state of love with me, or they wanna hurt me, or you know, all these kind of crazy stories about the others, about the people towards me, and that this artificial intelligence was just like, what does that mean? That I have all these stories and feelings with that machine. Yeah, that was a story from this week. Wow, thank you.
1: Thank you. I'm so glad because I remember when you were doing that with me in a lab, you were doing this arguing, fighting, defending, attacking, you're trying to do that with me in a lab. And now, now you see that you do it even with a machine. And so it really is a mirror that there's not, not even a person there and you're still doing it. It's what a great gift that is for to, you can, you can have this chance to let it, to, to de deconstruct it you know to find out what's really going on in there so wow thank you for sharing that
3: thank you for asking
1: <laughs> i mean I'm, I'm reading in the book right here it says this double perspective you know looking both at the normal and the and that being at the edge of the of the infinite in a way it's the, the fixed rigid you know the understandable and then at the edge you see also this complete vast open space, that double perspective in you, it produces, it it causes a crack in your certainty, a crack in certainty, which is like, ordinarily, we strive for certainty. Yes, this is the way it is. No, I know, we want to have this certainty, that's what we've been trained for. And yet there's almost nothing anywhere with in reality certainty and that's that's why there can be such a thing as possibility management because you're looking at circumstances and you want to change the result and you cannot change the circumstances what can you do well you can you can change what's possible in the moment you can change what's possible and create a different outcome there's so many ways to change what's possible once there's a crack in certainty about what is possible this is the only thing that's possible i'm sure you've talked with somebody who thinks this is the only thing that's possible and then you from your perspective that's not true and so but so this double perspective you carry around in you in your everyday life this crack that causes your familiar perspective to lose its omnipotence it's power over you, your familiar perspective of this is what is, this is what I need, this is what I can't do, this is what's really happening, and, it, and that gets a crack in it, so it no longer has this control, this omnipotence over you. What a, what a valuable thing that is. gives you huge freedom of movement and accesses huge amounts more responsibility for yourself. You are then responsible. The circumstance is not responsible. You are, because you get to choose this story. You get to choose what happens next. Given the box's voracious commitment to defending its views as being perfect, being irreproachable, and almost, in fact, holy. You know, the box says my views are holy. You know, it's so amazing. Uh, Having a way to change solid to liquid this verges on miraculous. Okay, what an amazing thing you have is to, it's, it's really almost miraculous that you can change in solid to liquid or, yeah. So the original, what does it say? Vice grip. Vice grip. A vice grip is this clamp. The original grip on you, thinking about what is possible or what is important, dissolves. This clamp, this this uh, super glue dissolves, revealing a freedom and groundlessness that feel both refreshing and terrifying or threatening. And so that's this place at the edge. And you know, without knowing, oh yeah, I'm feeling afraid, oh yeah, I'm feeling sad, and inner navigating that, you will go back from the edge automatically. And this practice for extraordinary relating is about on like finding a home at the edge which is both refreshing and thr- and horrifying terrifying as your old familiar world disintegrates and it won't usually happens ongoingly it isn't a big thing usually although it feels big each time almost but it's like an ongoing experience that the world around you is disintegrating there could arise some fear but the fear is exciting because you are reaping the reward of what could be years of hard work integrating the new double perspective. And suddenly you take action in ways that surprise the old you. And I know you guys know what I'm talking about because I, I know each of you enough to know that you've actually had this experience pretty much. I don't know so long, so well, but. So you've had this experience where you take action in ways that surprise your old self, the box. For instance, you may find yourself able to disagree with the general consensus at a meeting and to voice your own opinion in a calm and convincing manner. You know, that could just come out of you. You know, you don't have to argue. You're not fighting. You just go, you know, here's another perspective. And you put that on the table and it changes the whole space. That's something that could happen and you never did that before. Or you may find, you, you may, let's see, you may easily gather a team of people and resources together and start a project that you have long been wanting to start. That could happen. Or you could clean out the attic of your house or your garage of all extraneous objects and all of a sudden this burden just drops off of you of carrying around these material objects for so long or you could arrange to meet with someone that you admire but we're too self-conscious to connect with to say can we meet can we go on a walk like the on and on and on there's this all these doors open up for you because these actions come out of not your box they come out of the edge they come out of this edge of potential this uh this guy named uh i guess it was carlos castaneda's teacher don juan matuse was talking about a cubic centimeter of chance you get this cubic centimeter of chance it's about this big either you take it or it's gone forever arena right, hold on for just one second um these are actions that you may have instinctively felt to be possible, but for which you previously had no agency. The chaos of the edges to perspectives opens that access for you when you stay at that edge. Arena, go ahead.
7: Okay, thank
10: you. I wanna um, invite you to to come and just the Part of the reading is, is what I want to take um, to come and create, uh, expand the box course here in Costa Rica. And if not both of you, like any other person that are around that is a trainer, because um, I, I wanted to do it, but I have like some situation, not able to travel right now. And I have a space and possibilities to stay and create. So I wanted to invite you to do that. I had the possibility of met uh, Kino and Mikael. and and it's um, it's part of the jewels that I take, and also part of your reading.
1: Arena, do you so, know you. Jeff? Do you know Jeff Shoop? Do you know Jeff? Jeff's right there.
0: No.
1: Okay, well, get... I
10: know it from here. Yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like. You guys I guess. <laughs> are both
1: in Costa Rica. So, I see. Okay. And so there's a lot happening in Costa Rica. And what, so two things, please connect with Jeff and just like get on his team and like build a team together. And also write us a personal message to end Chloe. Yeah. And there's a whole website called create and expand the box with huge amounts of really valuable information on how that we've learned for the past 45 years, how, what it really takes to cause that to happen. And it's, it's so what it's really a, a, a big service p- position to take, to take a stand to create that possibility in an area. It, because so many people's lives ex- explode, you know, they expand into new areas. So it's really a valuable contribution and, but it's, it's a serious Endeavor. endeavor yeah it's really and it's it's cool so thank you for sharing that here please write to and chloe and connect with jeff and let's It's the beginning of a an interesting conversation
10: thank you and i want to add just a little thing that uh like two weeks ago you asked me how to say marshmallow and i say oh it's marshmallow but it's in spanish is malvavisco and at that moment, I forget it. And now I want to say it. It's Babisco in Spanish. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Wait,
4: I don't know. I also want to celebrate that. I, I saw that you and Catherine are doing your conscious asshole training. Yeah. Thank in you. I'm so happy. This is very
0: yeah.
4: cool. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's been a wonderful
10: process. <laughs> And And all of you are invited, all especially the ones that are adaptive, that is perfect. You can come and yeah transform that behavior or habit.
4: Uh-huh. You, you because, learn how
0: to drive.
4: Yeah. i'm I'm uh, learning how to drive. I mean especially now we have a um, I learned how to drive on an automatic, but now we're driving a diesel a van diesel on a clutch. So I'm learning how to drive on a clutch on, a, on this diesel van. And I was kind of behind the wheel and kind of scared and this tiny roads in New Zealand and people like tailgate and st- stuff like that. And Clinton said, just become this, this horn honking conscious, this you know, horn honking asshole race car driver. And so here I am in my van and I'm, I'm being, I'm shifting into this asshole car, race car driver hon- honking my horn. And that's that's what the training is about,
1: really. <laughs>
4: <laughs> so watch yeah. out on the roads. <laughs> you know, that's
1: the point is that that's a safe way to drive. It's safer than trying to be adaptive and 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 not you know in control of your vehicle. You know the vehicle is a fucking machine, and if you don't tell it what to do, it'll do what it wants, which is not safe. So you got to tell it what to do, and it takes being an asshole. It's great training. So cool. Thank you, Arena.
4: And Dory, you wanted to say something earlier on.
11: Wow, well, it's amazing that you, <laughs> that I that I can speak in the last two minutes here because I had so much to say, and I noticed that I did this experiment this week about noticing, and I noticed that the the first time so clearly about my parent ego uh, state. And uh, I noticed that my parent egos, they tell me you should speak now or they should know that in the space. So I keep stopping myself from speaking. And, and now in the last two minutes, I was like, gosh, I hope they're not going to tell me to speak now because I have so much to say. <laughs> so
1: <laughs> and now it's only one. I don't minute. know. I want,
11: so I, I want to share. Maybe I, I want to offer an experiment for people here to do. And that is connected to the last thing you said about uh, like the. To find this little crack in the box that is kind of the alchemation of, of the box and what is everything that is not certain things possible and find this crack and go and go do something about it. Because I found that I in my noticing when I when I'm planting in my in my the this thing that is noticing the noticing the noticing when I plant there this little Things that I I, my box thinks is not possible, but I want them. Like I want a hundred people in my rage club. That's what I want, and it doesn't make sense. But in the healing process, I did my my being said that, and I was like, "What? A hundred people in a rage club? How is it possible?" So I plant this like seed there. That that's uh, that's what I'm going for, and I'm doing this little experiment of talking to people, even though it's like I don't know why I need to talk to this person on this island. And then, yesterday, there 20 people, more than 20 people coming to, to a workshop. This is kind of like directing the power of conscious feeling. It's crazy. And I, I don't know how it happened. Like, people start to arrive to the space. And I was like, what's going on?
6: <laughs> so, you. yeah,
11: I'm taking a stint for Next Culture here on this Omotepe Island in Nicaragua. And if anyone wants to join, I, I don't want to do this alone. Like you also said in the beginning.
0: Yay. That's everything
11: I have to say in one minute.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Dor.
1: <laughs> Wait, no come on katarina katarina say something hello um well
7: uh i enjoyed really the uh, session
1: good well, we just um, wanted to hear your voice <laughs> you want to say anything else we just wanted to hear your voice do you want to say something else
7: well, I, I I'd like to say that I don't feel much comfortable speaking here because I didn't even have an extended cour uh course. I couldn't yet. Uh and so you um I I, I read um this book <clears throat> and I read Conscious feelings also. And I'm trying to work on several things about me. Uh today yeah, this last part, um, when Aunt Chloe talked about uh, not being seen by her father, and uh, I, that touched me deeply. Um, and um, well, uh, it really is lots of sadness that I have,
1: actually. Thank that you is. for being here. Thank, Thank you. Me. Thank you for sharing that. Hooray. Right. The clock is ticked by. I can't believe it. The space is collapsing. People are going on to the next part of your experimental adventure world. So have a great time. See you next week. Tell us everything. See you next week. Bye-bye. You.
7: Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.
1: Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.
7: Bye. Bye-bye. Bye, Leslie. Bye. <laughs>